916. I shouldn't give you the number right now because we got a guest coming. But it's Spencer German with you. Overtime with John the Peterlin. One hour down. We got four to go as we try to connect with uh, Dan Lobby of Cleveland.com. And uh, we have him now. Let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He is one part of the tremendous trio that covers the Cleveland Browns on a regular basis uh, for Cleveland.com. Dan Lobby joining us on the show. Dan, how you doing tonight, man? I'm glad to, I'm glad you made it home safe and sound from Indy. <laughs> yeah, same to you. Long time no see. Yeah, really. <laughs> I, I was asked to fill in. I was like, I'm going to hit up Dan. We had plenty of conversations <laughs> this week, so I'll, I'll, I'll pick his brain about some of them on the air. Why not? So uh, happy to have you here and First things first, I, I, I started the show kind of talking about this. There was this piece that has been bantied about on this station all day long from Seth Walter, who's an analytics guy for ESPN, where he made like bold predictions for the offseason for every team. And his bold prediction for the Browns was that they should consider trading for Justin Fields. Now, we know from our perspective that that's not going to happen, but he had a line in there where, from his perspective, he feels Deshaun Watson is mostly a, quote, sunken cost and so they should start thinking about upgrading. In your eyes right now, would you say that the Deshaun Watson trade has become a sunken cost? I don't know if I'd call it a, a sunken cost. I, I guess I, I have been thinking about this, though. I mean, that contract, at this point, you gave up what you gave up for him, and the contract is what it is. I, yeah. You know, I don't know if he's ever going to live up to all of that, but all of that's in the past. You can't change any of that. So you just sort of have to work around that and hope that maybe he can come back and become that player you traded for. But if he doesn't, at least be a quarterback who's good enough to get you to the playoffs, to contend, to to maybe win a Super Bowl with a bunch of talent around him. So, you know, that latter description isn't a guy you'd pay $230 million for or give up three first-round picks for, but whatever. What's done is done. Now you've just got to maximize you know, whatever Deshaun Watson still has left, and you just cross your fingers and hope that it's that second half of the Baltimore game <laughs> expanded yeah. out over 16 games or, or, you know, what we saw in Houston, right? Um, but if it's not, you still got to figure out how to make it work. So yeah. I guess I, I guess it depends on how, how you define sunken cost. I mean, if, if sunken cost is you just got to suck it up and move on and find a new starter, I, I don't think it's that. If you're just kind of looking at it like, hey, What's done is done. We got to figure out how to make it work. Then I then I guess you could say it is. Yeah, like from my perspective, I'm I'm kind of going into year three of this deal with with, and I think we all I think everyone sort of feels this way. Like this this is a high pressure season for him because halfway point of the deal and all these different things, chance to still kind of make prove that this deal was worth it for the Browns in the long run. And that's kind of my perspective is if if by this time next year we still have a lot of the same questions about Deshaun. I think then I'm going to have to kind of concede that maybe the deal didn't end up being worth it. But at the same time, to your point, you're just going to kind of have to live with the with the results at this point, and maybe that's where next year the Browns start thinking about pivoting at some – I mean, they're not going to be able to move past the, the contract and what it is, but that's maybe where they start thinking about the future. Yeah, and I think some of it comes down to your team's success. If he's – you know, if he's a top – half of the league quarterback. Again, that's not what you paid for. But this team, I think, has enough talent to win if a guy is playing, you know, fringe top 10, let's say. And so if he's that and you're making deep playoff runs, I mean, if you win a Super Bowl, obviously, sometime in these next three years, even if it's not necessarily because of Deshaun, 
I don't think anybody's going to complain about that contract. And to this point, I don't really feel like the contract is as hamstrung them at all. So I don't know. It, it, it's all going to come down to what this team can accomplish with Deshaun at quarterback. And you'd love for it to be completely driven by him and for him to, to get back into that level where you're talking about him as a top five guy. But the bottom line is you've just got to win and you got to figure out how to win with him at quarterback, whether he's playing like that or whether he's playing more like a, you know, just top half of the league guy. Dan Lobby joining us on the hotline, sticking with the quarterback position. I, I mentioned this to you the other day after Stefanski talked and we sort of talked about it a little bit, but do you th- was I reading too much into Stefanski's response about needing a veteran backup where he kind of turned the, the answer more into an endorsement about DTR? I can't decide, honestly. And <laughs> I, know, I know we talked about that a little bit. Um, I, you know, I think one thing Kevin does want to do is he wants to make sure that he doesn't, like, lose DTR, right? So if they bring in a veteran quarterback and DTR is the third stringer, you know, you want to make sure that – you've made it clear that, hey, we're not giving up on you necessarily. It's just, you know, we don't want to have the pressure of you being the backup quarterback. We just want to go in a different direction at that position for a little while. We still believe um, that you can turn into that guy eventually, even if it's not this year. But I've got to imagine Kevin Stefanski, after everything that happened this year, understands the value of having the right veteran backup quarterback. So it can't be a guy like P.J. Walker, but if you can get a Jacoby Brissett, if you can bring back Joe Flacco, um, I, I don't know, Gardner Minshew's probably going to start somewhere. Somebody like that, a veteran who can come in, run, run the Kevin Stefanski system really efficiently and win you football games. I don't think Kevin is, is going to look at that option and say, no, I'd, I'd rather go with DTR. Do you think they need a veteran backup quarterback? I do. I, I think it, it needs to be one of their priorities. And I think Andrew Barry believes that too. He, he said at his end-of-season presser yeah. that he's, he views it as a top 30 position on the roster. So I think they need a guy that they believe in that, that can win them, even if it's a couple games here and there. I, I absolutely believe they need that guy because, honestly, I'm still not sure about DTR long-term. I don't know if he's going to be a backup quarterback in this league long-term. So they need to have another option there. Stefanski talked a lot about just the collaborative process between he and, and, and Ken Dorsey to rebuild the offense, but he obviously wasn't ready to name a play caller just yet. Should we be reading more into sort of the silence is, you know, the silence is deafening almost where because he hasn't made a decision, maybe that means he is handing it over to Dorsey, or do you still think it ends up in uh, Stefanski's lap? You know, in the past, I would have said that, that it means something, but right now I don't think it does because I, I went back to 2020 after Kevin got hired. And, you know, that was admittedly a weird year, and the offseason program was weird. I mean, it didn't exist. Training camp was short. They didn't have a preseason. But Kevin didn't actually announce that he was going to call plays until, like, the Friday before the opener in Baltimore. Mm. So I don't know if he's going to wait that long again. But I feel like this just might be Kevin being Kevin. And maybe they honestly haven't had these discussions yet and they haven't figured it out yet. But if he decides that he's not going to be in any rush to name the play caller or say that he's keeping play, play calling, then he's not going to be in any rush to do it. He's not going to let us rush him. He's not going to let anybody else rush him. I tend to think that he'll hang on to it. That's just a guess. I think he should hang on to it. I think he's done a good job with it. Um, but – uh, you know, I, I don't know this. I don't know if it's going to play out as long as it did last time, but uh, I wouldn't hold your breath every press conference to get an announcement. He may, he may let this thing drag out. 
at Dan underscore Lobby on X. Of course, Dan Lobby joining us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He covers the Browns for Cleveland.com. You asked Stefanski, and I thought this was a brilliant question. I, I know we are, our minds are both going the same direction with this one, <laughs> about how he'll juggle having three potential starters at tackle. And he gave a very classic Kevin Stefanski non-answer about how it's a good problem to have or whatever. I, I think... That's one of the more intriguing situations, though, that faces the team this offseason. How do you think that gets sorted out? I'm really interested in this, and I'm glad I'm not the only one, because this is something yeah. else that you and I talked about a little bit. Um, because it's hard to say, well, you have too many guys at a position after what happened last year. Right. But when you, when you look at it, you've got Jack Conklin. He's going to be 30 years old. He's still got a lot of football left. I still think he's one of the best right tackles in the game when he's healthy, which, which has been an issue. You've got Dewan Jones and you've got Jedrick Wills, and none of those guys are, want to, are going to want to sit on the bench. Every single one of those guys views themselves as a starter and wants to be a starter. Financially, you can make it work because Dewan Jones is so cheap. But we're not talking financials here. We're kind of talking vibes. Like, you're going to have to have a – you. Are you going to be able to sit down with Jack Conklin and say, hey, we're going with the two young guys. Sorry about that. You're going to be our third tackle. Are you going to be able to have that conversation with DeWan Jones? And is he going to be happy with it? I, I think there's some – I think it's more of a vibes thing. Can one of those guys stomach being a backup for a year when all three of them think they're starters? And that's one of the challenges this coaching staff is going to have if they go into the season with all of them. Do you think there's a possibility that they could try Dewan Jones at left tackle, especially knowing that Jedrick Wills hasn't really come to fruition as a first-round pick the way they wanted to, and that maybe they view, okay, give give Jones a chance to play on that side and see what he can do in the, in the event that they don't obviously re-sign Jedrick Wills? It wouldn't surprise me if we saw a rotation. If they go into training camp with all three of those guys, if over the course of camp and they're all there for all of camp and healthy, if we see – you know, hey, let's try let's try to wand over at the left side. But uh, now, obviously, they're not going to move Jack over there. Jack, Jack's going to stay at right tackle. But let's try to wand on the left side. Let's try Jet on the right side. Let, let's kind of rotate things and, and change things up a little bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some some day in the dog days of training camp when we're writing a story about what they some funky thing they did at the tackle rotation. And with Jed Wills, they've said all the right things about him. But the reality is, is He's playing out his fifth-year option. They haven't extended him yet. Uh, you know, maybe it happens this offseason out of nowhere. I don't know. But, you know, when, a, when you let a guy go into his fifth year and play out his fifth-year option, you're leaving things on the table. You're basically saying, hey, you still have something to prove to us. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if they gave DeWan a shot at left tackle in some OTA practice or a training camp practice or something like that. I think you need to see him over there. A few more minutes with Dan Lobby here on the hotline. Um more likely that the Browns sign a wide receiver in free agency, but they trade for a wide receiver. I feel like trade is the more likely yeah. option because of the market. I mean, all these teams are going to have money now. The cap has exploded. I keep thinking about that Christian Kirk deal, right? I really yeah. like Christian Kirk. I think he's a good player. I also think he got paid way too much money. Uh, so some of these guys are going to hit the market, and I think they're going to get paid a lot more than they're worth. And I think Andrew Barry has shown if he can find a guy who's got a little cost control or has a contract that he can stomach and all it's going to cost him is, I mean, what if there's an Amari Cooper situation? He got yeah. Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick, but I, I don't think he'd be shy to trade that second round pick for a receiver again. I, I think, I think Andrew Barry is, 
very good at making trades. I think some of his best moves have been trades. And so I think if he's looking at the wide receiver free agent market, guys are too expensive. It would not shock me if he went the trade route. And that would be, that would be my prediction if they brought in a big name wide receiver via trade. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. Like you bring up the trade last year with Elijah, like the, the two top receivers on the roster and in, in Cooper and Elijah were both acquired via trade. You can also look and say like Zadarius Smith, who was another high profile player they got last off season. That was a trade. So I, I just feel like to your point, this team, this front office, they seem to prioritize landing those, those game changing players on like deals that are maybe expiring that they can kind of fit under the set. I, I I'm with you. Like, I don't think they're going to go out and just drop 20 million on Gabe Davis or something because the market's going to dictate that he deserves $20 million. Yeah. And, and Andrew is so good at just waiting for those opportunities. You know, Dallas decides they don't want to pay Amari anymore. Okay. We're going to get him for a day three pick. Um, you know, yeah. it's same with Elijah Moore. New York's trying to work out this Aaron Rodgers deal. Hey, you guys need, a, you guys want a second round pick just in case. So we'll, send it that way we'll do a little pick swap with you he's Darius was the same way Dustin Hopkins there's a reason that Andrew Barry likes those day three picks and, and it's not because he thinks everyone is going to turn into some great player or some diamond in the rough he knows those day three picks can be really valuable when you need them or when somebody unexpected becomes available and and he's just so good especially in the off season at just reading situations and finding value in the trade market I'll leave you with this one uh, we've talked about a lot of different things, obviously, over the last 15 minutes or so. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway, though, overall from the entire Combine week in relation to the Browns, whether it was something Barry said, something Kevin said, or maybe where their head's at going into the offseason and into the draft? You know, my biggest takeaway, I don't know if it's from something they said, but it just kind of strikes me like we're into year five with these guys. <laughs> and it's just... You can, especially with Kevin, I think you can just tell how comfortable he feels now, whether it's talking to us, whether it's talking about his players. I mean, this is his program. You can tell it's his program. And it's, we've never seen this in Cleveland, at least since this team came back, that they've had this sort of stability at the GM position and this sort of stability at the head coach position. And it's put Andrew Barry in a position where, Hey, he's made some mistakes. Every GM does. and, And now he can go out and correct them. Like, I think that's what strikes me. It's just this idea that for the first time, really, since this team came back, there's stability and nobody's champing at the bit to get these guys out of here. Nobody's on the hot seat. I mean, look, things can change quickly in the NFL. A bad season can change things quickly, but that just strikes me over and over again, that that we kind of see the direction of this program and we see Kevin Stefanski's vision because we've had an opportunity to do it. You mentioned you're not much of a spice guy. So do you do you not like the the St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail? I actually do. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really a big like I'm not really a big heat guy, but I do like the shrimp cocktail, but I'm not going to eat a lot of it. I'm going to leave that for everybody else at the table. That's I'm fair. not going to be the guy that orders it. I'm going to let somebody else pay for it. I'm going to have a couple. I'm probably going to have too many for not being yeah, the guy that paid for it. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to let somebody else kind of get the line. I, I had it for the first time yesterday. You're you're right, like, in sort of the discrepancy between, like, just pure heat and then that. Because what I noticed is, it, first of all, everyone's right when they say it clears out your sinuses. 100% does. Yes. But, like, it's like a punch and then it, it goes away. Versus, like, when you eat something with a lot of hot sauce on it, that just lingers in your mouth and it's the worst. So... I, I, I understand where you're coming from with it. Not it, you, you can tolerate it. That's good. That's good. 
<laughs> yeah, and then you know it's it's like a resp- you have a responsibility if you're in Indianapolis True. to eat it. So you just have to suck it up and do it. It, it. You have no choice. Well, I'm glad I crossed it off the bucket list. It was nice spending this week with you, Dan Lobby again. Cleveland.com. You can follow him on X at Dan underscore Lobby. Check out all of his work and all Cleveland.com's work covering the combine this week, Dan. You know, I appreciate the time, my man. We'll make sure we, we keep you coming on and, and throughout the offseason. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. Dan Lobby, Cleveland.com. Always appreciate him. Good stuff from him. We'll take a break. Reflect on what he had to say when we get back right here at 92 to the Fan.